0: From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep. We dive deep into the Catholic faith, also explore the amazing people who are a part of our incredible faith. We have a family affair today. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have Deacon Ben Heffler. We have Monsignor David Heffler and Ryan Kehoe. We'll get into all your vocations here in a second, guys, but do you ever, you have like a family joke, you know, like a deacon, a priest, or a seminarian walk into a bar, and they're all the same family, and then there's some punchline?
1: No, that would be just me walking into the bar with a collar on. <laughs> There'd be a joke in that. But the two of us come in to
2: drag him back out. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Hopefully generally, they would.
3: Generally trying to be a good example, I didn't take him to the bar. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That, that though, uh, when he was a deacon before, I was ordained a priest, so... Uh, when I was ordained for the diocese, dad was already here in the diocese, of course, and I still remember uh, the confusion it caused in the curial offices here because the question would come up, is that Father Heffler or Father Heffler's Father Deacon Heffler? <laughs> <laughs> and I would get his mail and he'd get mine. So. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's go around the table here. We have Deacon Ben Heffler. Uh, Deacon, you are at St. John Vianney in Sherman, or St. John Vianney, depending on you know tomato tomato. I always hear the, I can never really understand which one is which. But uh, so you were ordained in uh, 1982. I'm Senior David Heffler. He is our Vicar General. You've been at Blessed Sacrament in Springfield and St. Anthony in Effingham? As well as Sacred Heart in Effingham and St. Mary's in Shumway. Excellent. And then Ryan Kehoe. So you are the grandson of Deacon Ben, uh, seminarian right now for the Diocese of Springfield, St. Al's. The Saint north end. Anxious, yep. All right. So grandfather, son, grandson, they're all here. Uh, Deacon, I want to start with you. You look around this table. You see your son. You see your grandson following the vocation. Uh, you basically set forward becoming a deacon. What goes through your mind when you look at your son and grandson and you, and you think of that?
3: Well, you know, there's a there's a lot of things. Uh, I went through a lot of things in my own mind before I decided to become a deacon. It was that what God really wanted for me. And basically, I see that happen in them. That they're following what God has called them to be, as well as, you know, in the beginning, they, they both, I think, struggled with that a little bit and had to find, to find the, their way to make sure that that was God's calling. And I believe that uh, at least Monsignor has done that uh, for sure. Uh, Ryan is probably in the process of finalizing that, hopefully, uh, that at least he seems to be very comfortable with that. And, and uh, um, that's good to see.
0: Good to see you. Monsignor, did you, when you look to your father, was he a major example? Was he, is he a big reason why you're a priest today? Oh, yeah, but not for the reason
1: a lot of people might think, because quite often they'd say, well, he was a deacon, so you thought about it that way, right? Well, no, he's a deacon 20 years before I was ordained a priest. Um, I remember I didn't want to be a priest for you know first 30 years or so of my life, but when I started struggling with it, I, I kept that sort of internal and I would quietly, you know, confidentially talk to people here and there. When I was ready to really consider it, that's when I went to dad. I said, well, he had to figure this out, you know, so yeah. maybe he's got these words of wisdom. And uh, I thought he'll, he'll, give me, he'll give me the answer, help me figure it out. So I went and talked to dad and um, he didn't have the answer, but, but he did have words of wisdom, uh, which is basically what you got to keep praying about this. You got to keep asking the Lord. He'll tell you, you just have to be faithful to where he leads you. Uh, and that was one of the reasons I actually became a priest. I saw my dad, my mom, uh, people who live their faith because they love it. They were just authentic. And every option was open. In fact, on both mom's side of the family and dad's side of the family, there's plenty of priests and religious and sisters. Um, so that, that's sort of a normal. It, it's not sort of, it is normal. So growing up, it was always a normal option for me. Uh, and seeing that and then and then watching mom and dad always, always their faith was first uh, in the family and everything they did. Uh, the the faith was the heart of who they were. And that is what inspired me to want to make that my center of life and to live it to anywhere God took it.
0: Ryan, you're part of the ordination class of 2024. How much looking at your uncle, Monsignor Heffler, your your grandfather, Deacon Heffler, how much have they played a role that were, were they? Very instrumental in your calling to, to become a priest. Tell us about that.
2: Um, I would definitely say they were pretty, pretty key as far as my discernment, my, uh, my thought process, especially initially. Um, I mean, I kind of echo the words my uncle just said, where
0: um, it's like that John Paul II
2: theme, if I, if I remember right. He's the one that said that the family is like the first seminary. And uh, just seeing the, the witness, the example that they hold, it was never abnormal to think about priesthood. You know, that was always something mom would say, you know, if you're supposed to get married, if you're supposed to be in religious life, or if you're supposed to be a priest, you know, so it was always in your mind. Um, and then when I was discerning, going to seminary, um, one of the first people I naturally went to was my uncle. And I said, hey, you know, Uncle Dave, I'm, I've been thinking about this. And uh, we said, we talked about it a little bit. And as it happened, the vocation director was, was having a retreat at his, near his place too. And he was like, well, let's see if Father Alfred could just join us. And then i spoke with him and, you know, way we went. Um, but since going to seminary, it's really been that that wonderful base to look back on my family, look at my, my grandfather, my uncle. Whenever people are talking about uh, difficulties in discernment or, you know, even things that are going well, I can, I can always look back on somebody in my family, very easily my uncle, very easily my grandfather. And I can just see that the same type of um, discernment that's going on in the whole seminary, just present in their lives, just
0: embodied in a in a very personalized way, you know. What are, what are family dinners like? What are, what are family? You, you all get into like deep conversations. Yeah, yeah. We we quote movie lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The running classic in the family is like that scene in um, While You Were Sleeping, where you got eight right. conversations happening. Yeah,
1: but it it does. I don't think we can sit down to any family gathering without it going theological as well. Yeah. I we, we we sort of hit the whole gamut. You know, culture, family, family history, you know, things in our memory like that. Movie lines that we'll throw in as jokes every once in a (laughs) while to kind of counter or twist a conversation. But almost always theological. And what I love about it is it's always very personal, too. Um, It's not just, you know, thinking, okay, uh, what's the church say on this? Uh, Yeah, but what's it look like in my life? Uh, How are we supposed to live this? Uh, What's it mean, you know, when when somebody says or does this? So it's always right at the tip of the tongue. Always a very comfortable thing in our family to have a, a conversation about God,
0: about our church. What, what are the go-to movies? What, what's, what's the movies in, in the Heffler world? Is it, uh, is it action? Is it comedy? Oh, uh,
1: probably comedy. It'd be What About Bob? Yeah. Oh, Brother Where Art Thou? Bill Murray's <laughs> you know? a big yeah. a staple yeah. when yeah. I was growing up. So. That's right. It kind of worked in seminary sermon too. Baby steps yeah. to That's the seminary, Baby steps, exactly. Baby step-
0: oh, never mind that. <laughs> Deacon Ben, explain the process of, I mean, process is the wrong word, but raising a priest. Um, you know, obviously Monsignor Heffler became a priest later in, later in life, but you were an instrumental role because a father is an instrumental role from, you know, once you become a father, you were always a father. What's it like raising a priest? I never knew it. <laughs> I was going to say, did you pull me off the shelf, Dan? This, uh, people think we don't have a
1: family life sometimes. I
3: think. <laughs> well, the one thing that I can say is is that kind of a discussion was always open. You know, we never uh, we we always wanted to make sure that if if he had any inclination that way, uh, he was free to follow it. And I remember the first time he went to went to a seminary. I think he was in the seventh or eighth grade. Um, uh, he went over to the seminary over in Iowa. Divine Word Missionary. Divine Word Seminary. And I had two uncles that were Divine Word priests, and both of them um, were kind of close to, the, to our family, you know. And uh, uh, I think, I think, if anything, I learned from them the importance of vocation, and and that's probably what drew me to be to be a deacon. Uh, I know it when I graduated from high school, uh, I was thinking seriously about the, about the seminary myself. And uh, I went out to D.C. and and working for the government. And uh, uh, that first Christmas, I went over to Catholic U and was talking to a priest over there. And uh, we talked for about a half an hour, a little more probably. And uh, um, he finally said, well, I think you're just homesick. If you feel <laughs> this way a year from now, come back and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Well, it was two months later when I, when I met Leona, my wife, and uh, that kind of took care of that decision pretty quickly. Yeah, right. I, I think you discerned well, Dad. Yeah, I'm, I'm that. pretty happy. Yeah, that. Yeah. So, <laughs> the two of us don't exist if he yeah, doesn't. Sure. Good, good decision. Thank you,
0: right. Holy Spirit. Right.
1: Yeah, I, I think the best thing Mom and Dad ever did for me was um, uh, it was always an option, but it wasn't pushed they all, all the way through, they're always, uh, uh, parents uh, as well as, uh, best friends really when it came to those kind of deep moments of life, we'd have these long conversations around the dinner table growing up. I mean, eat in about five minutes and talk for two hours, you know, but, um, when, whenever it came to what we were going to do, they just had an, an interest. They were always supportive. They would always talk it out, but never, never steer or dictate. And, um, Although I accused them of that when I was not wanting to become a priest, other people would say, "Well, you should become a priest." Now, why is everybody telling me this? Yeah, so, but um, uh, at the same time, they were always always supportive. I knew as long as they knew I was following where God wanted me, that they were going to be in my corner for sure.
0: And I'll get to, I want to get to your vocation story in just just a minute because it's it's so fascinating. But Ryan, I turn to you. Tell us your journey uh, from high school to now seminary and. You're, you're a little bit, obviously, a lot different than your uncle in terms of uh, uh, how quickly you want to be a priest, at least when it comes to age-wise. Um, so tell us, uh, you know, what how you have how went from uh, to, to where you were to where you are now. Well,
2: um, so first off, I'm in my last year of college seminary, and uh, basically the way it works is just a lot like a regular university setting, except that you're doing discernment and spiritual direction and such at the seminary itself, and then classes through a university down the street. Um so I didn't discern right into right about, you know, college age at age, at 18. I'm 23 now. So I'm a couple years offset from a lot of guys in my class. Um, and kind of the way that that it worked was right out of right out of high school. I wanted to go into physical therapy and I, I didn't really have like a drive toward that. That was just kind of the, the thing I picked out of the hat, you know, so I, I took classes at the community college and, you know, I'd, I'd say the best example it, which kind of captures what was happening was I just kind of floated there for a while. Like, you know, had no drive, had no real, like this is definitely what I want to do with my life. You know? Um, Let me pause you there for a second. Yeah. So
0: in that moment, did you turn to your uncle? Did you turn to your grandfather at all? Not quite. Not, <laughs> not, not, I mean, <laughs> He um, knows better than that. Yeah, I, 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 w- I wouldn't say I was
2: regressing. I was, I would definitely not progressing though. I was just kind of there. Okay. And um, so I would, it was a, for a few years and then I dated a very good friend of mine for for a year and and they kind of started halfway through in there. I had this um, like an encounter in adoration. I was praying and, and literally I was at my, my uncle's first parish, Blessed Sacrament, actually. They have this beautiful chapel where they have adoration all the time. And I could look right through the windows and see the altar. And I just had this thought of, you know, what would it be like to say mass there, you know? And then I, and I just kind of had almost this like very vivid image in my head of, of being at the altar and saying the words of consecration and such. And then, you know, from there, your mind wanders to different points where the priesthood has impacted like me personally, like confession or at the time I worked at a hospital. So I saw a lot of priests come in and give a, the anointing to the sick. And I thought, man, I want that. That'll be great. And it was even in my head, it was even when that happens, this is going to be awesome, you know. So um,
0: so you almost had this. You had this moment. Yeah, like a very, very distinct one. So you had a moment. Monsignor Heffler, did you have a moment or was it a a gradual process. Give us your vocation story. I'm having a moment right now. <laughs> no, no, I,
1: um, I didn't, there were a lot of moments that added up. Uh, the part for me though, is I was wrestling with it. I mean, I have to say for Ryan and from the outside and uh, the same as I'd say for my classmate, father house, I admire somebody that at that age can say, no, I'll commit my life completely to this or at least investigate that and, and discern it. I, I could not, I was not ready there. Um, I always thought it was a noble thing, just not for me. I wanted to get married, have kids, uh, lots of kids. Maybe that was a problem. I don't know. But I, I was um, a farmer first. Uh, where dad was born, raised in Northeast Colorado, I started spending summers in the farm and right after eighth grade, loved it. That's what I saw my life being and, uh, and could still do that. But something in there just kind of kept haunting me that, uh, especially after seven summers when it looked like I could be taking that over, that. The more I'd pray about it, the more I kept hearing, I yeah, I might have something better for you. And um, so I followed that. Um, yeah. And as hard as it was, I had no idea what I was going to do after that. So for 16 years, I was still questioning. I went back to college and finished a degree, only this time in computer science and business administration. At the U of I? Uh, no, that was actually at Northern. Northern uh-huh. I started at University of Illinois. Before that, I was in engineering to support the farming i thought so anyway um then uh, i worked as a programmer for nine and a half years and um and then went back into carpentry was which was part of the story along the way Uh, took a voluntary layoff moved up to springfield after uh, ryan's family had been here already for about six years and mom and dad moved here the year before so uh,
0: so this, so this whole time, is it always kind of wrestling? Okay. Yeah. It's, so it's always, it's always yeah. popping in your head every once in a while.
1: Yeah. You know, it's easier to see from the outside in. Cause I, like I watched Ryan and he would talk about physical therapy and I could see him and he hasn't landed yet, you know, <laughs> but, um, it's but true. I always saw him. He was always going to, um, um, adoration and I knew if he's doing that, he's going to be okay. You know, he just follow this. So, that was such a comfort, you know, when you're watching your own family go through some of these things, trying to figure it out. Um, and now I would say for the first time, I feel like he's really coming into his own. Wherever the Lord calls him from here, at least now he's coming into his own. Um, so I admire that about about him. Uh, for for me, um, I could have farmed, I could have got married. And I knew at one point, too, that God would bless that. But I, I just kept feeling like he had another option. And so for 16 years, I tried to lay out all my ideas of the option, you know, <laughs> Uh, finally, uh, it had been kind of brewing for about three years. I finally got to the point of where I realized, you know, I'm, I'm not dating anymore. I think um, I don't mind being alone. In fact, I like the solitude, you know. I was going to farm out there, and who knows if I'd have met the right person. I was out there all day long alone. Um, so I can, that's okay. There's a solitude, not a loneliness that shows up there. And uh, it, when I was in, praying into that, then it just started to become kind of clear, Um, that it was an option, and I was finally willing to listen to the possibility of the option. And then a whole bunch of series of things happened. Uh, uh, An incident where I was in Rome on January 1st of 97, and I was at Mass with John Paul II, and he just stopped and he looked at me, and it was like there was this conversation across a crowd. It wasn't face-to-face, but it was through a crowd. We are looking at each other, and there was this internal conversation, you know, uh, that I could just sort of feel going on there. And I that, said, now that had to be
0: a, a striking moment.
1: Right oh, that there. still sticks with me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I wanted to ask him so bad. What do you think? You think I should be a priest? And and he's just sitting there grinning at me. You know, I finally remember internally I'm thinking, well, how long are you going to stay here? And he just kind of grinned. I saw him nod his head at me. I could almost hear, hear him saying, well, as long as it takes. <laughs> and and then there it was. Um, shortly after that, I did decide. But you know, right around that time, a couple months before that trip. It was my 35th birthday, and I remember uh, just in prayer and reflection, I was overwhelmed with this incredibly deep sense of gratitude. And I remember telling God, "You know, I, I've done everything I've wanted to do except get married, and I'm starting to understand the idea of a priest as father, family, you know, um, bridegroom to the bride." Um, so, you know, I, I just all I want to do now is give it all back. I want to give it all back. It's all gift. Everything I've had, I couldn't ask for more. You know, um, anything from here on would be selfish for me to run after it. So I just want to give it all back. And then it started getting really clear really quick. Uh, so it was eight days after that um, encounter with John Paul II. then uh, um, finally I said, okay, I want to go to seminary.
0: And, and there it was. And Deacon Ben, when you, when you hear these stories from your son and grandson, their vocation stories, as a grandfather, what, what goes through your mind?
3: Well, obviously I didn't know about any of them. <laughs> and, and, uh, but you know, it's not so far different than what went through my mind. You know, I, I tried to reach out to different people. Like I, my, uh, uh, one uncle, uh, father Leonard, um, we went out during the summer, um, out to Colorado and he was stationed in Colorado about 50 miles South of where my home was. And, uh, uh, he came up to visit during that time and we just had to walk through the yard just asking him about it. And he asked me a few questions and and found out a little bit about my background and how I felt about things. And and he says, if I were you, I'd go for it. And that that pretty much was where where I made the decision, yeah. Um Part of my, my thought there was, I want to run this by my brothers and sisters at, at a family reunion, which is why we were out there. And if if any of them have anything negative, I'll take that into consideration. Otherwise, I'm going to go for it. And uh, uh, that's really, really
0: uh, when I made my
3: decision to go for it. And after that, I went back home and, and asked my pastor to help me apply. And...
1: I'm starting to wonder if that's the same trip I talked to him about it. Could be. Uh, I remember being out there. I remember him being there. And uh, at that point, you know, I was in my teens, but I was at least willing to start to collect stories, you know, and I can remember asking him, um, we, we had been writing back and forth uh, for years already. He had a big impact on me. I just, he was just authentic. You know, there's nothing like an authentic Christian and an authentic priest for a witness and and uh, so we would write back and forth. And when I saw him, I'm pretty sure it was that trip, because I remember the one you're talking about, where I had him for a minute, and I said, um, "What made you want to become a priest?" And so I asked him his vocation story, and um, it wasn't something that made me go, "Oh, yeah, okay." <laughs> but also, I still remember.
0: Now I want to talk about advice you have for others. Um, Ryan, I'll start with you. So you're a seminarian right now what advice would you have for someone who's in high school right now, who is perhaps thinking about this, discerning it, struggling with it, questioning it. And, and, and what would you say to them? What would you, uh, what would be your advice?
2: Well, um, I kind of, kind of laugh a little bit when you ask me that because I'm right now I'm doing finishing up totus tours for the diocese. And part of our teen program is that actually I, I talk about how I discerned coming to seminary. And uh, the, 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 end I leave with is, of course, I'm talking to a group of teenagers and I say, you know, I could challenge you guys, just pray. Be open to Christ. I mean, Christ, Jesus Christ is God and He designed you with a purpose, with a specific vocation that you can become a saint. And uh, and I mean, look at him. He died on the cross, he's got his arms outstretched for you, he loves you. You know, he's never gonna lead you down a path that you're not made for, a path that you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be fulfilled in. And so just just pray. Keep your heart open to him because his is open to you and and
0: he'll guide you. And Monsignor Hefler, advice you have for our current seminarians, and also like with Ryan for, for other uh, people who are discerning the priesthood. Oh, I think he just said it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I
1: said you, at that point, you guys just copy and paste yeah, homilies at right, that point. I, yeah, okay. yeah, I was <laughs> looking I on his. Some of his <laughs> I was <laughs> looking on his paper <laughs> over yeah. there. So um, it it really is that same thing. If if you have enough of reflective life to be able to you know, ask whatever you want to do with your life. You have enough reflective life to begin to discern this. you know, Because <laughs> it's, it's true, if you're praying and reflecting on your life um, then these things will begin to show up. And of course, part of that is listening. Uh, I, I think that's the hardest thing in this life and in this culture is listening because it's so noisy. So many things coming at us. So my advice there was uh, get some time alone, get some time to pray, get some time to hear God. Um, the other advice I would give with the other advices uh, from some of the wisest, one of the wisest things I ever heard uh, was, uh, well, you pray about it and you follow your heart. It's
0: really, uh, when it comes down to it, at the end of it, it's that simple. Uh, and, and I want to talk about now the, the joy of all your vocations. My senior heifer, I want to start with you because at mass recently here at the, at the, at the Curia. You pointed out the fact that you wanted to get married, um, you wanted to have children, and now here you are, and you couldn't imagine yourself doing anything different. And you really spoke about the joy you had being a priest. So what is the joy? What brings you most joy being a priest? Well, it's it's not that, gee, I'm
1: happy today kind of feeling, <laughs> which you know most of the time I am, but uh, it's much, much deeper than that. It's, it's knowing um, that you're right where God wants you, um, even if it's difficult. I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm, I'm where God wants me. I've, I've followed him here. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, doubt he's present in my life. And then even when the difficult moments come in, I'm still happy, even if it might not look like that on my face at the moment, because the, the, the deeper happiness is a thing. Um, it's, it's that in, interior relationship with God that's uh, you know where you're tuned into him, hopefully all the time, but at least enough to know you're where you belong. I think that's a much
0: more profound happiness
1: than way some people tend to define it. So, and
0: yeah, and Deacon Ben, your your greatest joy being a deacon.
3: Well, you know, I'd like to follow up on what he said just a second here. Um, you know that God has called us all to be something, somewhere, to do something. You know, and and I've had people come up to me and tell me that, gosh, you got to be proud of your son. Well, sure, sure. No question about that. But, you know, that's no different than the three daughters I have. You know, I'm proud of them just as much in a different way, simply because all three of them found their way to be close to God. They found their way to fulfill their life here on earth, as God calls us to do. You know, sure, it's through a family uh, and Obviously, the family is is a fulfillment of all of us, you know, uh, regardless of the vocation that we choose. We came to that vocation, if it's right for us, for sure, through the life of a, of a good, healthy family. And that's what it's all about. How many grandchildren do you have? We have eleven grandchildren and five
0: great grandchildren. So, so when time for marriages happen, you think there's going to be this battle? Deacon, you do it, my senior, you know, future father Ryan here. What's how, how's that going to play out?
2: Well, Obviously, the favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess we're out of business, Dad. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, we've we've um, we've done marriages together. Um, you know, we've uh, I've actually done the the. Uh, a marriage ceremony itself, the the change of vows and and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, right now, it's not a question because I can't see to do that. You know? <laughs> so, but but uh, I remember talking to um, Bishop Lucas right after Monsignor uh, was ordained. I said, you know, uh, Bishop, I, uh, after I became a deacon, I witnessed the marriage of all of my daughters. I was with you when, you when you ordained my son as a deacon and as a priest, and, and uh, then I baptized all my grandchildren, and he says,
0: I'd never heard of that before. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that's, that's really cool. That's, oh, it's, it's, that's a privilege. That's yeah. a great privilege.
1: And profoundly powerful for all of us. I, I remember um, I was ordained by the time my youngest sister got married, so dad preached, dad witnessed the vows, I said the mass. Um, and then I was present, of course, at all the baptisms. Now when, that we've gotten to the uh, great grandchildren, I've been doing those. I did the uh, weddings for uh, Ryan's oldest brother and oldest sister, um, and a lot of that, like Dad said, he has trouble seeing to even read the the right. <laughs> but um, so it's it's been both of us in, um, and and a mix of those. And what a what a gift that's been.
0: Yeah, and now I want to go around the, at the table here. I want you to give me. Your, what do you admire about when you look across at your uncle, your grandfather, your son, you know, t- tell me one thing. We'll start with you, you Deacon Ben. What's what's one attribute about Monsignor Heffler that you admire? What's attribute about Ryan that, that really comes to mind?
3: Well, you're putting me on the spot, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I, um, the one thing that um, that I admire about him is I can remember years ago, long before he ever talked about getting into the seminary, uh, the fact that he could tell stories, and those stories come true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they got to be true now. He's a priest, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, that storytelling carried over into his homiletics. And, yeah. and so often, um, you know, he pulls things out of, out of the Scripture and ties them together that, uh, you know, I look at kind of in amazement. You know, uh, yeah. Even though I've studied Scripture and I've studied homiletics and homiletics, I've been I've been preaching for 37 years.
0: For yeah. and I'm <laughs> amazed. You brought up a good point. When I hear you give a homily, you never say um or ah, which is so. I don't know how to spell it. Which is <laughs> is incredible. I mean, that is so difficult. And so I mean, you're you're a tremendous tremendous homilist, um, Deacon Ben. So what about Ryan?
3: Well. um... Ryan seems to be a guy that really um, has determined what he wants, and uh, um, he's ready to get, uh, do what he has to do to make it happen. And the other thing, when I, when I uh, see him when he comes home from the seminary and stuff, he's happy about it. Uh, that's, that's, I think, going to carry him a long way.
0: That's the good so, news. Monsignor Heffler, you th- you look at your dad, you look at your nephew. What's uh, what's the attribute that comes to mind?
1: Well, well for dad, I'd say authentic, uh, true. Um, I, I watched him grow up, you might say. I was 22 when he was born, so I can remember him playing uh, baseball, softball, um, watch him in his younger years. And over the years, as you know, we go through things, there's always, you know, he was at a period of time where he'd get a new job and then get laid off and get a new job and get laid off. And he's just... Uh, what I watched develop then when I look back on it is probably my favorite trait. It's never about him. Um, that's the way it should be for all of us. So that was one of those examples I saw that just sticks with me. It's like I always said if I could be half of my dad, I'd be something. And that, that's the reason. Excellent. And what about Ryan, when you look at Ryan? Well, it, it's kind of a, a similar thing. Um, he, he is dad's grandson, you know. <laughs> and I've watched him really wrestle with where he was going, and I watched him have trouble putting himself into all those choices, you know, um, he he would look one direction and the next, like you mentioned physical therapy, and I'd watch him kind of go at it a little bit distracted and half-hearted, and I was like, okay, some place he's going to land and find what it is, and it's all going to come together, and it has. Uh, Whether this is where God's final stop is, because we always have to allow for that discernment, personally, I hope I'm not wrecking your discernment but I, I believe it is, because I've watched everything come together, and a real joy show up in him. Uh, that that seems to have made him
0: as true as I've ever seen him,
1: and I, I really enjoy that.
0: Ryan, you look at your your uncle and your grandfather. We'll go, what what's the attribute? What what comes to your mind? Um,
2: this is, one of the, this is probably one of the only times I'm lost for words. <laughs> like, wait, wait, I, wait, I, write um, that down. Yeah, really, you better put yeah the, on the date day, and yeah, time. Yeah, oh, there you yeah, go. <laughs> um, yeah, because that's a rare thing. But go. Uh, oh shucks. Oh, when, I mean. You know, like my uncle said, for my grandfather, it was authentic. I, I mean, through and through, there, there's never been a question like who my grandfather was, who, where his focus was. It, was. it was family and it was Christ. And that, that's the, um, there's this beautiful line Bishop Barron talks about. He uses the analogy of a rose window. When you put Christ, you put God at the center of your, of your heart, of your life, everything else falls in order. No matter how big the rose window is, no matter how complex it is, no matter whatever's in there, that everything falls in order. I've seen that in the life of um, in life of my grandfather exactly because he's through and through he's he's a Catholic man every every bit of that and for my uncle um, what to say about my uncle (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you my notes (laughs) I you know you mentioned his his homilies and uh, and Grandpa you mentioned his his ability to to convey a story it's just uh, when I when I look at when I look at the way my uncle it's like fortitude. You know, you, you have all of salvation history, right? He, he can, in a, in a very, very beautiful way, uh, display the story of, of the salvation history to you through the Old Testament into the New. But then he applies it now. And that's the part that everybody remembers, you know. It's like, uh, you know, Monsignor helper gets up there and then and you walk away thinking, wow, man, you know, I need to, I am a disciple of Christ. And, and this is part of salvation history. Um, But in the midst of, you know, a good day, a bad day, I never know whether he's having a good day or a bad day, because there's like a fortitude in that, you know, you you find this place, and it's to be right now, you know, the vicar general of the diocese, and before that, it to be a pastor, and there's been this sense of security that's that's just been there with him, Uh, so... You know, I think those are the two things that really stand out to me about the two of those guys.
0: They're not at a loss not at a loss for words. Yeah, it, it came together. It came together in the end. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well end with this. I, I hope this isn't putting you on the spot again, but any family traditions, anything unique about the Hefflers growing up or dinner time, does something happen? Board games, movie nights? <laughs> what, what what goes on at the at the Heffler household or, or growing up? What are some fond memories? Well we're kind, kind of gone. all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yeah, we uh, when we grew up, it was a point for mom and dad to take us on a family vacation. As many jokes as you hear, and you know about those kind of stuff. Yeah. But they were good. I mean, they were formative. These were my sisters. Different spots I, or just all? In, all I, I've been in all fifty states in the country. Really? And uh, forty-seven of those were on vacations growing up. Um, That's impressive. So mom, dad, and I all went to the fiftieth state for all three of us. Uh, the year of their fiftieth anniversary, we went to Alaska together. So um, yeah, uh, we we. Um, love to travel, love to see new things. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it's, it's time together like that. That means the most, I, one of the other marks of our family, I think is the, uh, the family dinner growing up. That's what that was. Um, their background, mom and dad's was farming. So we had a big garden and all, all that just kind of flows together if you think about it. Um, and that's continued into, uh, Ryan's family. I go over to visit them, you know, Ryan's one of seven and they're all around the table and around for a long time until of course now they're moving out and having their own families so uh, that's kind of the picture of the family i think uh, that and always coming in together at mass i mean that was it was just a given and not, never a fight i don't ever remember it being a fight for anybody except ryan when he was little he wouldn't behave in church
0: yeah, this is
1: true <laughs> he was told he wouldn't get a donut either if he didn't he gave up donuts Ooh, yeah.
0: that, that that was always a big donut day. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, the Catholic yeah, no. Church and Donut Day, that goes, that goes yeah. hand in hand. As so a that's what our kid, I would yeah.
2: tell every parent, Donut Day is the best
0: way to get your kid to behave at mass. Were you Unless like it was, it's me. You know, they make the announcement at mass. I'd look to my brother with my mouth open and be like, Yeah, that's good. Super pumped. Deacon, I, I got to ask you because I, I have three little boys. So I, I didn't know you went to all 50 states, Munson. That is really cool. The patience you and your wife had to have going throughout the country on this car. How the heck did you do that? I can't take my kids two hours before I'm ready to pull over and just run away from it all.
3: Well, we had a lot of car games, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, like uh, spelling, the, going through the alphabet, looking at uh, at the states that the cars came from and various other games like that. But, uh, uh, you know, that uh, the kids love to travel. You know, and and uh, they were anxious to see what was coming next. You know, and uh, there's always—I think you can just about make up a story about every vacation we were on about something that happened. You know, and and it 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 was fun. It was fun, and I I think that's that's part of family life. You you need to you need to make it fun, and we tried to do that. You know, uh, um, I think part of all of this stuff is we we always tried to challenge the kids to uh, to do what they could and if they were trying to make a decision we didn't make it for them we let them make it but i can remember um, i can remember being a devil's advocate
0: you know if they wanted to do
3: something i'd say well have you thought about this have you thought about that you know uh, you know, but never never really trying to change their mind trying to allow them to develop the reasons why they should or should not do
0: something some good advice. That's the, I think that's where we'll leave it. Challenge yourself. Have fun. My senior Heffler, we've got all all the family here. If you could close us in prayer, and maybe we'll say a prayer for all families out there.
1: Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, you are a family, a trinity of persons, and you've instilled that great gift and even desire for unity in all of us in the ways that it shows up in, in families, the domestic church, the First Seminary, uh, we ask that you will continue to pour out your grace upon every family you've called into being pu- upon your great pour out your grace upon every person who's trying to discern their future whether it looks like the family of the parish church or a convent or a monastery or beginning their own domestic church we ask that you will instill in them a desire for your will a desire for closeness with you and through all that that they may have the courage to follow the will as you lead them to it. Bless all who are listening to this and continue to bless our family. I thank you for all the blessings you've given us already. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you. Deacon Ben Heffler from St. John Vianney in Sherman. He's the grandfather, mine senior Heffler, here at the Diocese, our Vicar General, and Ryan Kehoe, seminarian, the grandson. Thank you all for your vocations. Thanks for coming in to Dive Deep. If you would like more podcasts, just go to dio.org slash podcast. We got it all right there. And we'll see you next time.